Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. We're... If you're joining us for the first time, we're on a series actually going through the book of Romans talking about relationships. Really, Jesus should come out in all of our relationships. And we talked about our relationship with God, with believers, fellow believers, with our enemies. And it isn't interesting that it transcends into our relationship with the state. With the state. Now, I, I want to assure everyone looking in or here this morning that my desire is to please him with my life, with my mind, with my heart, with my will, and with his word. It is an awesome thing to stand up here and speak on behalf of God. And I do not take it lightly, and neither have I done that for the last 30, 40 years that I have been saved. So just because it's the state doesn't mean I have an axe to grind with the state. Let's look at what God has to say about our relationship with the state. And remember, the title of the series is Rethinking Our Behavior. This particular message is a believer's relationship with authority. Let's begin in Romans 13, beginning in verse 1 through 7. Everyone must su submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in position of authority, guess what? They have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. I know your mind's going a 1,000 miles an hour on all that. Stop it. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. Again, don't let your minds go too fast. But if you're doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes to for those same reasons. For the government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word this morning. So we're going to kind of go two ways. First, we're going to see very clearly what the scripture teaches us. But the first thing I want to bring to your attention, those looking in this morning, and those that have been misinformed, I want to debunk a myth this morning. Anybody ever watch that show, Debunking Myths? Can preachers and churches talk about politics in the pulpit? Yes or no? Yes. You're reading it right before your very eyes. So that debunks the myth that pastors should never, ever talk about politics in the pulpit. They want us to zip our lips 
so that we'll never make a difference out there. Secondly, read the Old Testament. God intermingles constantly in the life of Israel. What? Politics. The priests, the judges, the prophets, the kings. Constantly. So I just wanted to debunk that myth that this church, we are not out of line when we talk about politics. And I'll give you a few other reasons why in a few moments. I just want you to remember the time and the setting in which this was written. Caesar was God in Rome and over the Jewish people at this time in history. Um, Israel had been conquered by the Romans. And uh, they had a king named Herod. And he was a tyrant. But at the time of this writing, though, uh, Nero was Caesar. And he was beginning to persecute the believers. For every one person, there were three slaves. There was oppression in the form of taxation when this was written. So the first thing I'd like you to see in verse 1, if you're looking or following in an outline, is the whole in interpretation of authority. Now, when most of you read verse 1, many of the translations interpret this. Everyone must submit to governing authorities or civil authorities. A lot of the modern translations interpret the Greek words that away. But that's not how the Greek interprets it. When you go to a Greek interpretation of this word. Let me read the King James Version first. And there are many translations that leave out the word government, civil. Let me read the King James Version, Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. In many of the translations, there is no Adjective, adverb, noun before the word powers. Let every soul be subject unto the authorities, for there is no power, no authority, but of God. The powers that be are ordained by God. So once again, when translating directly from the Greek, the lexem Greek English interlinear Bible, the Greek word is exousia. I took Greek, but I forgot a lot of the Greek because I took it about 30, 40 years ago. But interpreting this word, it basically is saying submit to the authorities or submit to, not the, submit to all authorities. The command is for all authorities. Now, you and me know there are many authorities on this planet, correct? There's not just one authority. There is the priestly authority as we read the word of God. There is the government authority or the king's authority. There was prophetic authority. There was, in the New Testament, church authority. Then we note in the modern age we have, um, we're in the rescue business, so we have different types of authority. There is, there is firemen and firewomen authority. There is that they can do things that cops can't do. And there's cop authority or police authority. There's medical authority. There's the family home. The father is the authority in the home. So we know there are many authorities. So the point is, this verse does take in consideration all authorities and is not limited just to governmental authority or civil authority, but it does include that authority. That's being biblical. It's, remember, it's coming off of our relationship with God, our relationship with believers, our relationship with our enemies. There is no chapter break between 12 and 13, and it continues the subject by saying, be submissive to authorities who is supposed to be submissive 
Everyone is under the authority of God. Who is supposed to submit? Everyone. Now, notice the word submit to all authority. There is a time, and I'll talk about it in a moment, where you can be submissive to all authorities and yet, yet not be obedient to all authorities. We'll talk about that in a moment. But just to get your minds going in the right direction, what God means by being submissive, I will clue you into some of the passages that kind of get our attention going in that direction. 1 Corinthians 11.3. But there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man, and the head of, every, of Christ is God. And then Ephesians 5 breaks it down a little bit further that we get the idea about submissiveness, something we don't like to talk about in this day and age. And further, submit to one another. There's the key. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it goes on to explain a little bit about the submissiveness in a home. The wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. The scripture goes on and even says things we're uncomfortable with, like slaves, submit to your masters. Remember, I said for every individual, there were three slaves for every individual. Slaves, submit yourself to your masters, and masters, submit yourself unto the Lord, because he is your master. Notice it's very cyclical. We're all to submit to all authorities. So in order to be in a right relationship with God, we all need to submit to authorities established by God. It is needed in order for a, a society to function. Now, the second thing I'd like you to see in this passage in verse 2 and 5 is the hurt in resisting authority, and we'll be very brief on that. Notice verse 2. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. And so one of the reasons to submit to authority is that you, so that you will not face judgment. You'll not go before the, the judges. And then in verse 5, it carries this hurt a little bit further. In verse 5, Here's how it reads. So you must submit to them, the authorities, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. And so the hurt in resisting authorities, you might face judgment. And then number two, you could be punished by these authorities. Even a dad in a home can punish his children because they resisted the authority in the home kind of get your mind going in the right direction and not just put it on government only. The third thing I'd like you to see about our relationship with authorities is the honorable role of those authorities. Notice that's spelled out in verse 3 and 4. These are the simple things that I'm explaining to you right now. Everybody gets this. In verse 3 and 4, he reminds us, they have an honorable role, these authorities. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right. I, I kind of want you to think of the home, the mom and daddy, not just government, because we are talking about all authorities, but it does include the government. And this will help us understand this passage a lot better, that this is not to be a sign just to civil authorities, not just to the government, but what? All authorities, that's what God said in his word right here. And so the authorities are God's servants. By the way, when you interpret that from the Greek, the word is diakonos, the same word that's described in Timothy when you're finding leaders in the church, servants. We have a lot of servants in our church right now. We just have not put that 
title, that English title, deacon on it. But that's exactly the word that's being here. All authorities are deacons, are servants unto God's people. So the authorities are God's deacons, are God's servants sent for your good. But if you do wrong, young teenager, child, what does the scripture say? If you do wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. I think one of the problems we have today is that children are not afraid of their parents, and too many parents are trying to be their kids' best friends. That comes way later. By the way, I just wanted to remind you that corporate punishment was established in Genesis 9-6 where God says, this is after the flood. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. There's the civil authority or the government authority or actually human authority. For God made human beings in his own image. Okay. So the honorable role of all authority in government is to do good and to punish evildoers. So if we're in any type of authority, we may, we may want to rethink our behavior or our beliefs about what God has just told us. Now, what about the honor or the tribute given to those authorities? Notice in verse 6 and 7 what the scripture teaches about those in authority over you. It does zero in, though, on the government in this passage. Pay your taxes to for these same reasons, for the government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your, notice, give to everyone what you owe them. It's intermingling the government and all authorities here. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. So paying taxes and then paying honor to those, paying respect to those who are in authority over you. Okay, I just finished the sermon. <laughs> oh, so should I go a little bit further now? I see some heads nodding. Okay. Now, I want to be relevant and address the elephant in the room. When is it, or is it okay, or ever okay, to resist those in authorities that we just mentioned who deserve our respect and love? Absolutely. Okay, let's begin. And by the way, remember, we're talking about all authority, but we are now looking at the states, our relationship with the state. We've already established and honored God by saying we should submit to government authorities. But we have discovered there are boundaries. Now, let me start with the obvious, the obvious times to resist authority, beginning with the abuse in the home. We all would agree that if a father is literally beating his children or beating his spouse, that they could resist that authority in the home by whatever means. Amen? And someone else can come in and resist that particular authority, whether from within or, or whether from without. We all would agree here that we would have the right to resist that. I'm the authority in my home. No one has authority over me at all except God in my home. But if I abuse that authority and do such things as I just described to you, my wife or my children could defend themselves. Even if they thought I was going to take their life, they could take my life. Amen? Or get them out of the home. Okay, that's an obvious one. What about a, I'm in authority here as a pastor. Now, what happens if I decided to misabuse my authority? 
my pastoral authority. Now remember, First Timothy 5, 9, it teaches the people of God to be very, very careful about bringing an accusation against a pastor or an elder of the church. In fact, it says, if you ever do that, make sure you bring two or three witnesses with you if you're going to bring an accusation against the pastor. And there are many pastors that have been accused of doing many things, having affairs, stealing, and being tyrants. I brought that out to you last week. But what happens if I stood up in the pulpit right now and said, always lead to God and it's okay to worship Muhammad? I would then begin to be preaching heresy. And then it would be your part to resist. You submit to authority, but then there would be a time to resist. How you would go about doing that, that would be up to you. But you would need to resist that authority that preached heresy to you. Okay, those are some obvious ones, and I can mention quite a few others. Now, let's look at when God has stepped in when the state misabused their authority. Remember, there's boundaries. The state has no authority over me and my home. The state has no authority over the church. The church has no authority over the state. Let's look at that. Let's look at an incident that will help us understand that a little bit clearer. In King Uzziah's day, it was really the, the, the peak of their history. It, yes, more than it was in the Davidic Solomonic era. That's what commentators tell us. At the peak of Israel's power, King Uzziah overstepped his authority. He was beginning to think himself like he was a god. He started off the right way while he had some priests that he listened to. But then let's pick up the story in 2 Chronicles 26. And let's see what God did when this king, when this government overstep their boundaries or his boundaries. There are boundaries. Okay. The government overstepped its authority, yes, in the religious community at that time. Here we go. But when he had become powerful, King Uzziah, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord, his God, by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the incense altar. Now, you have to do a little bit of study in the history of Israel and the temple and who had that authority. That authority was assigned to the priest. Azariah, the high priest, went in after him with 80 other priests of the Lord, all brave men. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not for you, Uzziah, government, king, president. It is not for you to burn incense into the Lord. That is the work of the priest alone. The descendants of Aaron, who were also set apart for this work, get out of the sanctuary, for you have sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. Hmm. Uzziah was holding an incense burner, became furious, like a lot of governments can do, like he did to uh, Pastor Coates up in Canada in February. They marched in like the Gestapo and told him to stop preaching. And they arrested him and put him in jail. That's this year, not last year. He is out now. They locked him up put him in shackles, his feet and his arms, and put him in jail, maximum security. Did the government have the church's and Christian's interest in mind when they did that? No. Sometimes I have to stop making sure I don't cuss up here in the pulpit. But as he, as he was standing there raging at the priest before the incense altar on the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. When 
Azariah, the high priest, and all the other priests saw the leprosy. They rushed him out, and the king himself was eager to get out because the Lord had struck him. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He ruled over 50 years in Israel. He lived in isolation in a separate house, for he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. His son Jonathan was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. So you see, God has ordained all authority, and you see a clear example where the state crossed the boundaries of their authority. Now, God took care of that in this situation, but there are many others that I could quote to you. None other than Aaron, who was in charge of the Levites and the priests when his two sons were killed, let's pretend the church, and the pastors did not do what they were supposed to do, and God struck down his two sons immediately. So that's in the church when they did not exercise their authority properly. I have too many things to say, so I don't want to go in depth on that one. Now let's look look at another clear-cut case where Christians and believers submitted to government authorities but did not obey them and resisted them. In other words, as a pastor, I feel that I need to communicate to God's people that there is a time when we should resist the government, and I'm going to give you a few more cases to prove that to you. But here's one of those cases. This is biblical. Then I'm going to give you a couple so-called secular. But by the way, I want to remind you of this before I get to this point. Since God is over all authority and his kingdom reigns and all rulership has been given to Jesus and the family and the church and the government is under his authority, that makes it a theocracy. So that makes government a religion. You ever thought about that? Hmm. Food for thoughts. Now, Peter and Paul were told on many occasions to shut their big mouths about Jesus. I remember, as we have firemen in here, when I was asked to be a chaplain for a certain area, to be a, a chaplain for the fire department. The guy came, and I was excited about it. He said, but I, but I want to tell you something. When you're called upon in the civic arena to pray, I don't want you to preach in the name of Jesus or end your prayer in the name of Jesus. I looked at him cross-eyed. I w- he, he said, listen now, if you'll compromise on this, you get to go to each department And you can talk to the men and say anything you want. And just think of the people that will be saved by you being a chaplain over those fire departments. But when you get in the public arena, mm -mm, I want you to say nothing, know nothing about Jesus in the public arena. How long did I have to think about that? Dun, 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 dun. I didn't have to think long, and I turned down that role. Because they said I could not preach or talk about or pray in the name of Jesus. Well, Peter and Paul understood that. And they were beaten and mistreated many times as they brought the gospel message into every facet of life, including the king's courts, into the public arena, into the temples where they were told not to preach about Jesus. There are some churches you can go to in the United States of America and around the world where you cannot preach the name of Jesus, nor can you preach the total truth of God. So here's a case in point. After Peter had healed in the name of Jesus and had been preaching in the name of Jesus and had been arrested already because they preached in the name of Jesus, then that happened again, and we pick up in Acts chapter 5. The high priests and officials who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy because all the people were listening to Peter and Paul and were not listening to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They arrested the apostles and put them in jail. By the way, I've been hearing many preachers say, listen, 
The civil authorities are not going to tell you publicly or on television that a pastor was jailed for preaching the gospel. They're going to come up with something else and try to convince you that that pastor or priest did something other than preach in the name of Jesus. So don't be deceived and allow them to lie to you. It's what they said about Jesus. He did something different. Remember, they tried to find accusers to lie about him. This passage continues. Well, we gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. Well, later on, they gave him some warnings and Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Notice again, all authorities, God is over all authority, and our allegiance is to him first and foremost. Actually, every authority, their allegiance is to him. Now, it says in verse 40, the others accepted his advice, that means the Sadducees and the Pharisees, when this eloquent speaker stood up before them and told them how they should not really mess with the apostles because, listen, if they're doing something from God, we're not going to be able to defeat it if it's from God. So they listened to him and didn't kill him right then. And the scripture says they accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And the apostles were obedient thereafter. No, they did not listen. Peter resists the authorities and clung to the higher authority. Is it okay to resist authorities that tell us not to meet? Many say that the government has good reasons. Well, let's look at very quickly, what, when people or nations of the world, when they resist the government and they resist their authority, many wonderful things have happened. There have been many good results that would cause you to conclude, yes, there is a time to resist authorities. Well, there are so many. I had... I looked up a list of them. I'll just, I, there may be a list on in front of you. Uh, fighting for women's suffrage in, in the United Kingdom. The segregation defiance in 1955 and 6. All of you would think that would be okay. Some of you may or may not think this is okay, but I think it's okay. The digital civil disobedience. that They call them the Snowden leaks. Um, he lost his freedom when he exposed what our government was doing. I, I want you to know the government does not have your back. Not a believer's back. They do not have your back. Now, there are many major stories of resisting and, and not resisting authorities. All of us would agree, so you can see the direction I'm going in, that how about slavery? All of us would agree when the government said that certain people are not humans or only three-fifths of a human, and therefore they are limited in their rights and they are property and they have no right to vote. Actually, Paul said, really, to every one of us, stay in our occupation or where we're at when we get saved so we can be salt and light. But he did say this, if you can get your freedom, get your freedom. So in 1787, the Constitution, the delegates proposed included several provisions that explicitly recognized and protected slavery. And then Congress used its newly conferred power and passed the Civil Rights Act in 1866. Aren't you glad that people from all walks of life, from Lincoln, who was a Christian in office, and all down through the corridors of history, don't you listen to the world. It was Great, godly men and women, black, 
clergy, white clergy, there was Wilberforce, there was Billy Graham, there was all kinds of people down through the corridors of history that fought for the rights that black people would be set free. It wasn't the government that was fighting for them. It was believers all over the world, Wilberforce, of course, in Great Britain. Amen? The government didn't have their best interests. It was because of the great awakening that took place in this country and the great preachers of our land that fought for these rights. And they won them. And you all would agree, America would agree, it was the right time to resist the authorities. Amen? Now, what about a time... Before I finish that, by the way, I just want to make a point. There is so much in our society about race and slavery. First of all, I want to remind you there is no slavery in America. We are not a perfect people. There's not one perfect people on this planet, but there is no slavery in America. May I remind you there are over 40 million slaves in the world at this present time. There are 14 million in India. There are 2.9 million in China where our stars, our government, big business, our athletes do business with this country that still promotes slavery and they make a big issue about one word that someone says it's wrong to say things that are wrong but if every one of you were accountable for everything you've ever said in life all races I always tell people if sin showed up on your belly all of us would have a barrel amen and so just remember the hypocrisy from those who are ruling over us that say they care about climate change and then they care about racial issues. We are not racial in our church, so I am not politically correct. I don't have to worry about what you think or what they think. I know I'm not that away, and we do not raise our church to be those kinds of people. And most of you aren't that way. It's just those in power See, those in power that need money and power. That's why they're not saying anything about those in China. They're making money and they have power. When they make money, they're saying Zippo about those people in China. You don't see them pulling out their, their product out of China. You don't see their, them pulling their money out of China. Can't you see the hypocrisy? God wants you to wake up and smell the coffee or you will be deceived when the Antichrist comes on the scene. What about the Holy Cost? Now, here's a time that the church did not resist, and you should have said, like Bonhoeffer, the church should have resisted. I'll read a little article. It's not, I mean, it's three, three lines, four lines, by Robert Drennan about the church in that time. The reaction of the Christian community to the Holy Cost can be generally be described as mild, vague, and belated. While there are notable exceptions to the general ineffectiveness of the church to affect its concern over the rising anti-Semitism, it failed in any significant way to provide political or moral leadership to combat the anti-Semitic design of Hitler's Germany. The reprisal of past teaching occupied with knowledge of past complicity with anti-Semitism has contributed to a heightened sense of ecumenical responsibility. Since World War II now, the Christian community statements condemned the Holocaust have increased Christian sensitivity to the horrors of the past and the potential dangers of the future. You see, the church was silent when Hitler started rounding up Jewish people. By the way, you need to look out the windows of your eyes and see how anti-Semitic our world is and one big political party that is anti-Semitic. And if you can't see that, and if you think I'm just being political, you are the one that is deceived. Uh-oh. Got a little quiet in here. 
It's the truth. I am here to tell the truth. You guys know whether I'm telling the truth or not. And if they get it wrong on that issue, what other issues are they getting it wrong on? What about medicine and science? Has the governments of our nations ever gotten it wrong? Let me just give you one that everyone would agree with. We'll go, again, we go from the simple to the extreme. What about tobacco? And now, I'm talking about those who smoke every day, packs of cigarettes a day. Guess what the prevailing winds were back about 60, 70 years ago when my mom and dad smoked cigarettes every single day in airplanes, in cars, in the house. Guess what? Tobacco companies paid physicians. Like, okay, my throat's hurting right now. They told they lied to the physician, said, if now if they will smoke cigarettes, it will help their irritated throats. And you and I say, oh. <laughs> I mean, how could they buy that? But that's what they did. They recommended smoking as a remedy for throat irritation and to perpetuate the notion that smoking was healthy. You can see I'm setting the table for you to use your thinking about what's happening today without me being the authority on all those subjects. What about the, I'll try to pronounce it right, the thalidomide catastrophe, the drug thalamotidide created in Germany by the Grenethal group was heavily marketed to pregnant women for morning sickness in the 50s and the 60s. It was available in 46 countries until it was banned in 1961, following a massive spike in the birth of infants with physical deformities worldwide to women who had taken the drug while pregnant. At least 80,000 babies died before birth. 20,000 were born without limbs due to thalamidoide. The consumption of Thalidomide by pregnant woman resulted in a wide range of birth defects, including severe deformity of limbs or extreme cases, the absence of limbs. The government overstepped its boundaries and entered into a field that they were not experts in. There are many more. Let me just give you one more. The Vox scandal, V-O-X-X, was a painkiller. All of us love painkillers. Approved by the FDA in 1999, that led to 60,000 people dying in the United States of America. Flossing. I won't tell you about that. They've lied to you about flossing. Go look it up on your own. What about life-saving practices and drugs that were rejected that, not today, I'm not talking about today, I'm talking about yesterday, years and years ago. Dr. Ignaz was a Hungarian obstetrician who theorized in 1850 that physicians were transferring a disease known as childbed fever to women in maternity ward due to the common practice of doctors in hospitals after delivering babies, conducting barehanded autopsies on diseased corpses. He came to the Conclusion, after observing a high rate of deaths in the hospital maternity ward in comparison with the low death rates at the clinic where babies were delivered by midwives. It resulted his implementing a hand-washing protocol in the maternity ward proved successful. As a result, rates declined from 18% to 2.2%. I want to remind you of something else, the government. How far do we trust the government? Again, we know what their job is, to promote goodness in the land and to punish evil. Are they authority on education? Yes or no? Where have they gotten it wrong? What about evolution? Every child that enters a public school is told in first grade is hand, handed a scientific book that says, Five million years ago, dinosaurs roamed the earth. We have allowed the government to deceive our children 
for almost 80 years in this country. But praise God for the resistance. It has worked. What has been the resistance? Fighting back. Bible clubs in all kinds of school, student-led prayer, charter schools, and yes, homeschool, of which we house three of them here. Isn't it amazing? One party is against vouchers that will allow any parent of any race, of any color, to go to the school of the choice. Why would a party not want your child to go to the school that the parents want them to go to? Wake up and smell the coffee. What about life guaranteed by God and our Constitution? What has the government done with that? They said life does not necessarily begin one week, two weeks, three, four, five, six weeks old. In fact, you can even kill the baby outside the womb in certain, certain circumstances. Did they get it right or wrong? They said it's okay to murder babies in the womb, and they paid doctors to do so. Did they get it right or wrong there? What about the anatomy of the body? You would think they would know about that. They're walking around. Are they zombies that they can't look at a body and tell whether it's a male or a female? Oh, my goodness sakes. Look what it's done to our schools and our businesses and the problems that it's caused. What about justice? What about justice? They're supposed to be superior in delving out justice. Well, we all know the George Floyd incident was a clear-cut case of abuse, and Derek is locked away, as he should be, for many years. But what about the recent case of the Rittenhouse it was a clear-cut case on video that he defended himself, and yet government and the media made him guilty before all Americans where half of America passed judgment on this young man, and he will have to suffer the rest of his life. That was a clear-cut case just as much as the Floyd case was a clear-cut case. Can we trust the government with justice. What I'm telling you is we're going to have to wake up. Now, I, I'm very careful that I didn't play to a crowd. I wanted to be honest, give you the facts. I haven't said hardly anything about today's situation, but I will say this about the churches. The government came along with this epidemic. By the way, you'll have to look at what a pandemic and an epidemic is. Epidemic transcends into a pandemic but look at the stats everywhere. 99% of the people will live if they get COVID. Now, I'm very, very sad of anybody that dies of any disease or in any car accident or for any reason at all. We're not limiting that. We're not limiting our understanding that. There, we live on planet Earth. There are so many diseases. And by the way, they're concocting new diseases. And if you don't wake up and smell the coffee, they're going to continue to concoct new diseases that you should be afraid of. Amen. But they told us that we were not a necessity. But bars were a necessity. Strip clubs were a necessity. Casinos were a necessity. This is our government. And they destroyed 9 million businesses in this country because they said two or three people working in a big place couldn't work. But yet the big places like Winn-Dixie or Walmart or all these places, Publix, they could work where there are many people shopping. But the small businesses, they destroyed should we, should we submit to the authorities? Yes. Should we listen to them? Should we resist them? Listen, if it wasn't the courage of this one man in the state of Florida, I think you remember who he is. I'm going over a lot of stuff right now. His name was Rodney Howard Brown. And you remember when COVID first hit in 2020, 
He stood up in the state of Florida and said he was not shutting down his church and they they arrested him, persecuted him, fined him. But because of his courage, guess what happened? Word got to Governor DeSantis. And in April, I believe first and second, he passed two orders telling the United States of America, or at least in Florida, that churches were a necessity. The government had overstepped its boundaries. So, so can you see, can you see that there is a time, there is a time for us to stand up and resist the authorities because we have a, a higher authority that teaches us to obey him. Notice like a good neighbor or like a good pastor, I did not touch the things that are happening today. But I believe I gave us enough ammo to understand that it's at the doorstep and I need you and you need me and we need to act in concert about the kind of actions, our our behavior. Remember, this series is about our behavior. What we believe will dictate our behavior. Well, we may need to rethink our behavior and not be so passive like the churches were in Hitler's day. We may need to come together and be stronger. Or if all of a sudden you hear me being arrested, don't assume the worst. Come visit me in jail. Sneak me into something to eat. Bail me out. Take up a collection. (laughs) It's, it's funny, but yet it's so serious. I only touched the hem of the garment. I had so much, so little, so, let's see, so little time with so much to say. But I wanted to give you food. I wanted to honor God to give you food to say the day is upon us, that we need to resist the government where the government needs to be resisted. Amen. Would you stand at this time? May God give us the wisdom and the understanding and the discernment how to navigate these turbulent times that we're living in about what our world is telling us, what to do and not to do. In Jesus' name I pray. You may be here today and maybe you didn't think this was a gospel message, but let me tell you something. The government wants to be your sugar daddy. They want to be the begin all and end all. They do. This is a fact. They want you to look to them for everything, and they're throwing fear on you. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. God said the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. If you fear him, he will forgive you of your sin. If you put your faith in him and what Jesus did on the cross, he died for your sins. If you ask him, he'll forgive you. He will save you, and fear will leave you for the most part. You might have to work through some things. And by the way, we did obey the government in the beginning because we didn't know what was coming our way. But we did our homework after 15 days and 30 days and we decided the government was deceiving us and they didn't have, I didn't say totally, they were deceiving us about many things. I already told you some of the things they deceived us about. And they told us to close the church doors. Are you glad we opened the church doors? By the way, I opened the church doors not because I was so brave, but because we were. I consulted with other people in this church. It wasn't me standing alone. You were standing with me. Give God the praise, would you, at this time again. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.